Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, um, I moved back to Atlanta, as you know, from Augusta, Georgia, uh, almost two years ago. And there was something, there was something missing. Because I'd been in Augusta for, for a couple of years, four years, and so I had, I had a really good close network of friends. Girlfriends and guy friends, but it was nice to, to have a good solid group of girlfriends. And, and something happened when I moved to Atlanta. And I realized that it was harder to just make girlfriends out of thin air almost. It seems like I have an easier time making guy friends, but it, you know, there's something about being older, you're out of college, and everybody's got their social groups. And so when I moved back to Atlanta, I was like, where are all the girls? I want girlfriends. And I am not the only one who feels like sometimes it's harder to make friends than maybe to meet a romantic partner. Right. I experienced a very similar thing when I moved to Atlanta from Athens, Georgia. It was such an excursion, (laughs) 70 miles up the road. But it really felt like a dating process mm-hmm. to try to make friends. Yeah. Because there was who, someone who's now my, my roommate, this one girl in particular where I was like, she's super cool. I want to be her friend. Mm-hmm. Oh my, I hope she likes <laughs> what I'm wearing. Uh, yeah. And, uh, that, this is sort of the basis for the book, uh, MWF Seeking BFF, Year Long Search for a New Best Friend by Rachel Birch. And this this author relocated from Chicago to New York and left behind her whole social network. She she moved with her fiancé or the man who would become her fiancé, and now they're married. And so she has all this stuff, this great life going on, but she looks around and realizes, I don't have anybody to call if I want to go get brunch or have a glass of wine or, you know, talk about my day, anybody besides my uh, fiancé. And so she goes on this quest. She decides as a married white female, which is MWF seeking BFF, best friend. Uh, she goes uh, on 52 friend dates in a year. That's that's a friend date a week for those of you who don't know how long a year is. <laughs> and, um, and it's interesting, her, her experiences, she comes up with a lot of good advice. And it's kind of what Kristen was talking about. You know, you develop these almost crushes on other girls because... I mean, it's natural. You're like, wow, that person's really cool. How do I get to know them better? How do we, how do we hang out in real life outside mm-hmm. of work or outside of whatever, the train or wherever? I don't know where you meet people, but it's clear. I mean, clearly. <laughs> Cause you still have no friends. <laughs> Cause I still to this day, no friends. Um, some of her advice, just ask the person out to hang out. Like, Hey, do you want to go do something fun? Let's go get coffee. Um, but just swap narratives, not just grilling the person with questions. Right, because a lot of those initial friendships that you'll have with other women on that first friend date mm-hmm. is so similar to a first romantic date. Maybe that some you go awkward on. silences, some twiddling of the thumbs. Mm-hmm. You ask about families, you'll probably mm-hmm. talk about jobs. Uh, yeah. But the good thing is about female uh, first dates, first friend dates, is that it is okay to talk about past relationships. It is. There's a bonus. And if you guys don't click, you don't have to be stuck together. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that you have to be stuck together after a first date, romantic date either, but you're like, well, I guess I can just save her for <laughs> when I'm bored. That's, Caroline, that sounds very frenemy <gasps> of you. Frenemy? I would never. 
Are you insinuating something about friendship over here? I am insinuating, uh, well, I'll just state it. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't do a frenemy-ish thing and insinuate. <laughs> I will state that uh, there is that the sweet side of female friendship, which, which is that getting to know you and building mm-hmm. that bond. Um, but then there is the flip side that I feel like has been way overexposed in popular culture in the past five to ten years, which is the frenemy, which is the whole, that's when words like caddy come out and mm-hmm. caddy. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? I feel like ever since Mean Girls, which I love, mm-hmm. was such a sensation, all of a sudden every woman is a secret frenemy. Exactly. So at the other end of the, the spectrum from MFW or MWF seeking BFF, we have things like the twisted sisterhood unraveling the dark legacy of female friendships. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, it's by Kelly Valen. It got a lot of press because it's about this just heart-wrenching process that she went through in a sorority in which she was completely stripped of any faith whatsoever in female friendships because... Girls be mean. Jeez, well, it sounds like she's meeting the wrong people. Because I don't, I don't think I've ever been stripped of anything. Well, it, well, it's the whole argument that since women's friendships, one-on-one friendships, are so emotionally binding, yeah. because we do tend to share so much of ourselves compared to men, which we'll talk about in a later podcast, we tend to have more activity-based friendships mm-hmm. that since you get to know each other on such a deep level that they can hurt you even more. Yeah. Of course, I mean, obviously, if you have genuine friendships with people, you have a good foundation for your friendship and it's not built on uh, maybe competition or social standing, then those are your safe friendships that actually help you mentally, emotionally, and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody has had at least one friend at some point who you can classify as a frenemy who has tried to undermine you or only wants to hear about uh, when things are going wrong with you, not like, yay, cheer you on, you got a new job, or you got a, I don't know, whatever, reward of some kind. Uh, you know, they just want to know about when you're down in the dump so they can commiserate. Right. Or the the friend who will only call you up when things are going poorly and needs a, a, a listening ear. Yeah. A big emotion dump. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and all of those things, I think, are just part of the female friend spectrum. But the big question I have is, you know, why does it seem like female friendships in particular are sort of, um, I don't know, boxed up and stereotyped like that and maybe devalued a little bit. Because I think at the end of the day, there is really something to be said for that really true BFF yeah. girlfriend. The girl who you can turn to, the girl who will tell you the truth, mm-hmm. and not in a mean way, not in a in a frenemy way, like, oh, yeah, I don't know if you should wear those pants. They kind of make your ass look big. Or maybe you shouldn't wear those pants. Yeah. <laughs> have it be honest, but be nice about it. Right. With, with good intentions behind the telling you to not wear the pants. Um, but something that was pretty eye-opening when I was reading all this stuff about female friendship, because um, I feel like this is stuff that's pretty common sense. However, I had no idea the biological drives behind some of our our habits and our desires as far as friendship goes, uh, both same-sex and opposite-sex friendships. But, um, you know, you're talking about how, how female friendship 
can kind of be looked down upon sometimes. Like, oh, women be shopping. They're just talking about shoes again. Well, well, how about this this quick snippet? This was from a summary of uh, research. I'll be a little bit dated on friendship. Uh, Ron Veg Traustadotter observed, history does not celebrate female friendships, and there is a long-standing myth that the greatest friendships have been between men. Yeah, buddy comedies. Yeah, whereas... They're just a little bit different. Right. Women have a different drive as far as seeking uh, seeking relationships and seeking comfort. We, as we'll get into momentarily, women and, and a lot of female animals, this is sort of across cultures, across species, women, when they are stressed, seek uh, the association of others. They seek to be part of a group uh, for safety, for comfort, for stress release, and... Um, we sort of talked about that in a past podcast. It's called Tend and Befriend, where men have more of a uh, fight-or-flight response to stress. Women have similar a similar release of uh, chemicals driving us to do things when we're stressed, but they sort of drive us together as opposed to apart. Right, and uh, this was from a pretty groundbreaking UCLA study published in the year 2000, in the year 2000, uh, in Psychological Review, and it was groundbreaking because it was related to stress and specifically related to the biochemical markers of female stress, which up until around 1995 had been so understudied. I think the statistic was uh, only 17% of study participants in stress-related physiological stress studies were women. So it really wasn't until the 2000s that we're starting to get this kind of information. And they found that, like you said, Caroline, in response to stress, women tend and befriend. And we especially tap into female social support networks to manage stressful conditions because of evolution. Evolution, everybody. Yes, um, a mother's flight or attack on a predator could leave her offspring fatally unattended. So back in the day, I mean, if a mother uh, had the same instinct as the male to go attack the predator, she'd leave her baby behind. Right. And that could be eaten or stolen away in the night, who knows what. And so the mother's desire to go back to her offspring, soothe it, take care of it, take it to a safe place, that's sort of, that's that's continued through in our desire to tend and befriend. Mm-hmm. And building on that physiological framework of friendship, there's also a, the important role of oxytocin, which is enhanced by estrogen. And what the researchers found was that oxytocin is related to relationship stress and attachment needs. Now, we've talked about oxytocin in the podcast before in terms of uh, what's happening in your brain during an orgasm. It's released. It's a bonding neurochemical. So it seemed counterintuitive at first to hear that or read that oxytocin might be related to feeling uh, relationship gaps. But you can more think of it as a driver to build those networks. And it has a more potent effect in females because of the influence of estrogen. Right. Speaking of chemicals, females largely lack androgens, which in many species act to develop the male brain for aggression and then activate aggressive behavior in specific threatening contexts. So 
you know, this UCLA analysis talked about how boys from a very young age are more boys, human boys and (laughs) young male primates, animal boys, animal boys. (laughs) Sounds like Peter Pan or something Um, are more prone to develop rough and tumble play. Than girls. And, you know, we talked about in the men versus women exercise podcast about how on the playground, boys are more likely to form these big groups and play games like football, soccer, whatever, whereas girls are more likely to hang back in smaller groups and and play maybe verbal games like, you know, we mentioned MASH. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, these these uh, androgens, specifically testosterone, are are driving boys to to play rough, basically, whereas women are more nurturing. And it might also have to do something with something else going on in our brain. Uh, this was mentioned in an article by Victoria Costello in Psychology Today, and she attributes some of that um, instant friendship building that tends to happen more often among women to more mirror neurons in the female brain. And these neurons are responsible for us paying attention to and empathizing with what's going on with the person sitting across from us. Right, right now, I'm, I'm looking at Caroline. She's, she's blinking and smiling, <laughs> smiling sweetly at me. And that's, that's making me smile. Yeah, it's also making her a little uncomfortable. A little bit. My face looks weird right now. Um, yeah, uh, Victoria Costello, you know, brings up the whole women empathy, women's intuition thing, and says that most of these clues go right by men. So, you know, sorry for those empathetic men who feel like you can pick up on clues, but Costello says that women are just better at it because we have more mirroring neurons. She also talks about hormones that, you know, and, and like you touched on, we have more estrogen and a greater default level of oxytocin. And of course, we've talked about evolution a little bit. But here's the thing, though, with uh, Costello's whole thesis on the fact that she says that you can leave two women who've never met in a busy doctor's waiting room. And by the time they're called for their appointments, they know each other's life story and have traded phone numbers. And she also says that thanks to that estrogen and the oxytocin, it makes us want to bond at the mere touch of hands. <laughs> How uh, sweet. And that is really sweet. And maybe I have <laughs> low, high levels of androgen, androgens and low levels of oxytocin. Because that I'm mm, I'm not a hugger. Yeah, you know? I, I'm not either. I, I don't want strangers to touch me. I don't like people getting too close to me on the train. And it's not that I'm not friendly. I just think it might be an example that yes, we we are everyone. Friendships are are unique. They're like snowflakes. Sure. Okay. <laughs> they're all they're all kind of different. I think we all make friends a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to be offended that if they run into me <laughs> at the gyno, I'm probably just going to read my Vanity Fair. It's funny, Kristen. I was actually thinking the same thing reading some of this. Like, God, judging by this research, I should really be like all over my female friends. <laughs> we, and- should, we should be holding hands right now, <laughs> Caroline. <laughs> we should be. Remind me to do that later. Um, yeah, we should have more female friends and we should all be hugging all the time. But I'm really not like that. And I actually was thinking about it, and I have just always had more male friends than female friends. I mean, in college, I, f- I feel like I had a big group of female friends, because, you, you know, living in the dorm and, and whatever, you, you make a lot of friends that way. <laughs> Synchronizing menstrual cycles. And I, was, I started to really wonder if, you know, is something wrong with me that I, I, I don't seem to bond with women in the same way that these studies are saying I should? 
And then I started really worrying about myself because, so we release all these chemicals during stress. And in a study on rhesus monkeys, scientists blocked some of those stress chemicals uh, by using naloxone, an opioid antagonist, and ended up reducing the monkey's maternal behavior and social grooming. So, of course, I start Googling that, naloxone, wondering, like, oh, my God, do I have a shortage of something, uh, of opioid antagonists? Am I? <laughs> do I need to take a pill so that I hug people? And, uh, yeah, and then a 1998 study found that giving women naltrexone, a long-acting opioid antagonist, caused them to increase their time alone, reduce time with friends, and it reduced the very pleasantness of women's social interaction. But so. think about what that opioid antagonist is doing in your brain. It's preventing you from responding to opiates, which are usually uh, involved with our brain's reward system, and also endorphins, mm-hmm. which tend to... Boost you up. Yeah, lift us up. So maybe it's just a... Your friendship is lifting me higher. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know how that's supposed to be comforting to you. Uh, but maybe it's just that our, obviously, neurochemical levels in all of our brains are a little bit different. Yeah, they're all different. And, you know, yeah, friendships are unique, and it depends on the person, too. I don't know. And it's also, I mean, it's it's a, a grain of salt thing, too, to take with this kind of research, because did you and I make friends because at some point we weren't going to want to abandon our babies we might have? In the future? I mean, it was on my brain. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that we could go to Jimboree later? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm pretty, I don't know. I was probably like, hey, that cool, that, gr- that girl's cool. She has nice bangs. So moving away from the brain and all of these chemicals that might be a little more difficult to relate to, um, in terms of real-world friendship interactions, the fact that Rachel Birch, in her, what was it, mid-20s or early 30s, was looking for a new crop of friends. There was another column that we found by Carrie Shane Parvin, who had an essay written about in being in her early 40s and looking for new girlfriends. And according to other studies, this is from an article in the Wall Street Journal by Jeffrey Zaslow, looking at gender differences in friendship patterns. Studies have shown that in our late 20s and 30s, Women have a harder time staying in touch with old friends because we're busy starting our careers, we're raising children, and we don't have time for getting together every night to hang out. Um, and then by the time you reach your 40s, you might have a little more time opened up because your kids are in school, they have their extracurriculars, some might be out of the house by then, and you look around and you haven't done a good job tending and befriending. And maybe we feel worse about it than men do just because of our biological drives. Because you know, of that oxytocin. We think there's something wrong, whereas a man's like, yeah, I'm, I'm busy. I'm doing work. I have a family, you know, whatever. I have hobbies. It's fine. He might not. And, you know, obviously this is a generalization and just a hypothesis of mine. You know, but maybe men are thinking, well, you know, it's okay. I'll catch up with him over the game sometime. Mm-hmm. But maybe women just have that drive to be like, this is not normal. Where are my girlfriends? I need a glass of wine and to hang out and, and find out what's going on with her. And I think understanding more about that, that biological stress response really explains why there might be more of that pressure. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting to Google female friendships and find the number of dating like websites that come up. 
We apparently need a lot of help from the internet. I had no idea. I have never Googled female friendships before. Well, I think it's tougher to make friends in general today because everyone is so busy and mm-hmm. so and moving around constantly. And it's t- tough to make friends in your mid twenties when everyone is busy, either building their career or they're settling down for long term relationships, mm-hmm. or they might have had first kids. You know, it's, it's a, it's a challenging, it can be a challenging time and yeah. it takes time to build those friendships. Yeah. You got to have follow through. Yeah. You actually have to call people and say, how you doing? Right. But making a friend of me, you can do that. Bam. Oof. No, I think <laughs> uh, a friend of mine put it very well when he said that, you know, you can be stressed at work, you can be stressed in traffic, you know, but you shouldn't be stressed in your friendships. Right. And so I, I, you know, I, I hope that for those of you who have, one or more frenemies that maybe you either have a have a little talk or maybe it's time to get rid of mm-hmm. toxic friendships. Uh, and speaking of frenemy, for a fun little knowledge nugget, the Oxford Word blog cites Walter Winchell as the first person to use frenemy, I guess, in a public forum. He used it in a 1953 newspaper. 1953? 1953. That sounds like it's not talking about Real Housewives of Atlanta. Right. <laughs> right. And I think that's part of, I mean, speaking of Real Housewives, the whole uh, reality franchise thrives on female frenemies. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Nicole Rogers, writing for the Huffington Post, talks about of how we've had, um, you know, all of these catty shallow women portrayed almost formulaically now mm-hmm. on television. And at the other side, we've got the rise of the bromance. Oh, I love you, man. That's so sweet. Yeah, like suddenly it's it's okay f- for for men on these reality TV shows to be all about each other, but it's which is great. We, no, I'm yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not, but it's it's at the same time we're like, oh well, we value these same sex male relationships, but when women get together, they're just going to be angry and fight all the time. They're That's I- normal, right? Yeah, they're either Gabby or Caddy. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like it either. But to end this podcast on a positive note about female friendships, because I'm sure you feel the same way, Caroline. I have some just dear female friendships that I wouldn't trade for all the podcasts in the world. (laughs) Um, There was a poster presentation from three psychologists at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas analyzing the sex differences in friendship. And they used a best friend questionnaire to measure how people describe the quality of their friendships and come to find out women, at least in how they described them, viewed their friendship relationships more positively than men did. Yeah, they used warmer, more intimate descriptors, um, warm being one of them, and also caring and loving. They rated those words very highly as far as describing their relationships. Men's highest ratings went to comfortable, friendly, and supportive, which I think is an interesting split. And it makes a lot of sense thinking mm-hmm. about the, the male friendships that I have and the intra-male friendships that I've witnessed. Um, so frenemies or not, despite whatever kind of cultural stereotypes are out there, women really value their friendships. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing to put down or roll your eyes at when groups of women are friends with each other and go out with each other. Uh, just because women have different emotional needs as far as relationship goes, that's that's not anything to poo-poo. We're indulging in a little bit of oxytocin. Yeah. Leave right? me alone. Let us do that. <laughs> 
But next time, guys, you are not off the hook. We're going to talk about male-to-male friendships because there are some fascinating patterns among your bonding habits as well. So be sure to tune in for that. And in the meantime, ladies... Let us know about your friendships. What do you think about? I mean, do you have the most special friend in the world? Let us know all of your friendship stories or a frenemy story. What yeah. to you is a frenemy? And also among guys, do male frenemies happen too? Hmm. Good question. Lots of questions that I have. Answer them all at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And we got a couple emails to share with you as well. Okay, this email is from Katie. I just listened to your Martha Stewart episode and wanted to tell you about my favorite Martha incarnation. She was on an episode of The Simpsons where she helped Marge make over the house for Christmas. At the end of the episode, though, Marge Marge realized that her family was miserable living in the perfect wasp, middle-class lifestyle and asks Martha to change everything back. She does so by waving her magic wand, which she made herself out of an old car antenna, which she baked in the tears of a leprechaun at 350 degrees until a rainbow shot out the end. Personally, I'm not a fan of Martha, but I absolutely love this episode, and if she voiced the character, which I think she does, I admire her for being able to make fun of herself and also for her incredible business success. All right, I've got one here from Judy, and this is in response to our sex ed podcast Subject line, sex ed circa 1979, which I knew was going to be a good one when I saw that subject line. She writes, we had a seventh grade health class with both boys and girls in it, and gonorrhea and syphilis were covered in a clinical way. We had a spelling test of clinical terms for male and female body parts, but no descriptions, really, of what name was for what part or what the parts did. (laughs) That's confusing. We also saw a short film in which a completely naked woman had a physical, including the doctor doing a breast exam, although there was no shot from the business end of the vaginal exam. Thank goodness. The short film humiliated every girl in the class and either turned the boys on or gave them something to make fun of. No representation of the male body was ever covered in film, photo, or even a drawing. So thank you, Judy, and thanks to everyone else who's written in. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is where you can send your letters. Facebook is where you can send your comments, your likes, your shares, and all that good stuff. And, of course, you can tweet us at MomStuffPodcast, or you can read us at the blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?